Hello, Habit Mechanics. It's Dr. John Finn here. I hope you're having a great week so far. Welcome to another shorter episode of our podcast where we take a look at some of the inspirational stories of high-profile people that we include in the Habit Mechanic book, stories that we hope make it easier for you to be at your best. I'm joined today again by my friend and colleague, Andrew Whitelam. Andrew, how are you? Yeah, hi, John. Great to be with you again. And um, on this podcast, we're going to talk about or hear about two people who uh, come from the field of science, technology, innovation, but from uh, a bygone age, a long time ago, as it were now, not uh, not our current age of, of invention and progress, which seems to be rapid. And I know you're going to say a few things about that in a moment, but we're going to talk about Marie Curie and Thomas Edison. Thomas Edison, um, people might know the inventor of the light bulb, supposedly, and Marie Curie, a physicist uh, born in the 1800s. So two fascinating individuals who can teach us a lot about accomplishing great things. And uh, I know there's a parallel you want to draw with today's innovators as well. Yeah, so I think Thomas Edison and Marie Curie's stories are about persistence and delaying short-term gratification to achieve bigger, meaningful goals. And that's what I see in the AI stories that are currently so prominent in in the press and in the public domain and, you know, tools that are actually starting to change people's lives. One of the godfathers of, of that field is uh, Geoffrey Hinton, who's London-born, um, studied at Cambridge, did his PhD in Edinburgh, uh, Spent he spent most of his academic career in in Canada actually, where they worked for um, the University College London for a while. He's the guy that invented the term deep learning, and he was a real pioneer of something called neural networks that are allowing this um, what's called generative AI, things like chat chatbot GPT. It's allowing that to actually get the results that it's getting. It's, it's it's uh, Jeffrey Hinton and his students' insights kind of allow it to have the processing power. But that didn't just happen overnight. Jeffrey Hinton has been working in this field since the 70s. And actually, the, the whole idea of neural networks has been kind of poo-pooed for a long time. But most of his career, he was told, this will never work. And in fact, up until as recently as maybe 10, if not 15 years ago, the kind of AI top brass at Microsoft still believed that. They still believed they were of the school, the opposite school of thought to Jeffrey Hinton that your ideas will never work. Um, and there are, you know, there are entire books written about why neural networks would never work. So we look at these fantastic inventions people create. And it's easy to think that um, the insights came easy and that these people are just natural and they're gifted. And it was always going to be that Marie Curie achieved what she achieved or that Jeffrey Hinton achieved what he achieved. But inevitably, when you look into the history of these people, it's always about strive and struggle and persistence and resilience and perseverance and that's how they get the results it's not about innate ability so i think we can draw parallels to the stories of thomas edison that we're going to share marie curie with the scientists that we see today and also the guy the teams behind 
um, the COVID vaccinations, etc. So, yeah, I think um, although these these figures are now no longer with us, I think the approach they took to their work is enduring and we can learn, you know, everyone can learn lessons from it. What can we learn about learning from Thomas Edison and Marie Curie? To understand more about high-quality practice, let's consider how two of the greatest scientific minds of all time made the most of their learning superpowers to discover insights that changed our world. Thomas Edison was one of America's greatest inventors. He held over 1,000 patents for his creations. His most famous invention is probably the first commercial light bulb. The concept of a light bulb was not new, but Edison made the first one that was reliable enough to be sold to the public. He said, of the 200 light bulbs that didn't work, every failure told me something that I was able to incorporate into the next attempt. He also said, I have not failed. I've just found 10,000 ways that wouldn't work. Thomas Edison's willingness to work hard and acquire new insights from his mistakes seems to have been very important to his success. It turns out that this formula of focused or deliberate practice, where you focus hard, make mistakes, and use feedback about your mistakes to get better, did not only work for Edison. Strong research evidence shows time and again that this special type of practice is essential if you want to improve and develop in any area of life. Another famous scientist that can help our understanding of the power of focused practice is Marie Curie. She was the first woman to be awarded a Nobel Prize and the only person to be awarded a Nobel Prize in two different sciences, physics and chemistry. Curie's love of learning and her passion for science was sparked from a young age by her father. At just four years old, she was already a confident reader, an essential skill for focused practice at school and beyond. This allowed her to fully engage in her studies and become a dedicated pupil who received a gold medal when she completed secondary school. However, as a woman, she was not allowed to attend university in her home country of Poland. For a short period after school, she abandoned her studies. But she soon made a pact with her sister that would allow her to attend the Sorbonne University in Paris. At the age of 18 or 19, whilst waiting to move to Paris, she joined a secret Polish laboratory and started to learn chemical analysis. This was the Flying University, an underground academic collective that constantly moved location to evade Russian officials who controlled Poland at the time. When Marie Curie described her early work in physics, she explained how, from time to time, a little unhopeful success would encourage me, and at other times I sank into despair. But on the whole, I discovered my taste for experiments during these trials. 
Here she is describing pushing herself out of her comfort zone and making mistakes. This is an example of the focused practice that would help her become an expert and uniquely successful scientist. When she got the chance to study in Paris, her hard work and dedication resulted in her graduating first in her class. After marrying her scientific partner, Pierre Curie, she became pregnant with her first child. She worked in the lab throughout her pregnancy and returned there a couple of days after the birth of her daughter, Irene. A few weeks later, her first paper was published to worldwide acclaim. The work she endured to win her two Nobel Prizes has been described as repetitive, tedious and drudgery. But despite that, she persisted. One of the hallmarks of Marie Curie's professional life was the way she documented everything in journals and notebooks. This will have supercharged her learning. Remember, short-term memory only lasts about 30 seconds. Within these documents, she detailed insights about the radioactive qualities of radium and polonium. These insights helped fuel a creative spark that would save many lives in the First World War. Through her research, Curie knew about the power of X-ray technology in helping see injuries deep inside the human body that were not visible to the naked eye. She created the concept of mobile X-ray units that could be used on the battlefield to more accurately diagnose soldiers' injuries. These life-saving mobile units became known as little curers. Many would say that people like Marie Curie and Thomas Edison were just talented and naturally intelligent, and that is why they were successful. However, Marie Curie didn't agree. She said of her success, I was taught that the way of progress was neither swift nor easy. And Thomas Edison famously said, Genius is 1% inspiration and 99% perspiration. So that's the story of Thomas Edison and Marie Curie. Yeah, thanks for uh, for sharing those again, John, with us. Of course, you can read them in the Habit Mechanic book and uh, both amazing characters from, from history in terms of discovery, innovation and, and progress. And, and as you say, we can learn so much from their approaches. Um, and, and I think it's important to, for people that, that uh, we just share again your thoughts on on how we can learn from people like this who've accomplished great things in uh, the development of our modern society. Yeah, I think at the heart of these stories is a really important lesson on what it takes to be happy. For me, and this is you know fundamental to, to our approach, and I talk about this in the Habit Mechanic book, but I see happiness as a three-part equation. The first part of the equation is you've got to get your brain working well. That means good sleep, good diet, good exercise, good social connections and relationships. The second part of the equation is hedonism. So we've got a hedonism is about giving into short-term gratification, having fun, letting your hair down, etc. That's really important. But the third part of the equation is what's known as eudaimonia, to have eudaimonic experiences. 
they're achieved via persisting and delaying short-term gratification and being resilient and striving to achieve bigger, meaningful things in our lives. Now, what the modern world has created is a situation where it's really easy to do hedonic, pleasurable things. But the knock-on effect of that is it's much harder to get your brain working really well and it's also much harder to keep persisting with the sort of work that allows you to have eudaimonic experiences, that allows you to feel like you've made real personal progress in your life. And one of the things that I find really interesting from the from Marie Curie's story is that she talks about um, the work she endured to win her two Nobel Prizes has been described as repetitive, tedious, drudgery. So these successes, these seismic successes that we had on it, and certainly in the UK, we have Marie Curie charity shops, don't we? They're everywhere. So this this is this work, this legacy that Marie Curie left wasn't by accident. She got her head down and, and she worked tremendously hard. So I think we're presented now a lot through social media and influences that you can have what you want very easily. Sometimes you can get lucky, but more often than not, if you want to have lasting feelings of um, achievement and success and all the positive emotions that come with that, you're going to have to get your head down. You're going to have to put in uh, the graft, as we would call it in, in Yorkshire, and delay short-term gratification You know, to, to build up those ice sculptures, as, as we talk about in Chapter 25. Yeah, so... I think those I think the stories of Thomas Edison and Marie Curie are fascinating for multiple reasons, but I think there really is a powerful message in there about what it truly takes to be happy. Yeah, and um I'm sure many of us might recognize that uh, that dynamic that you uh, you've just alluded to, John, having to to get our heads down to make progress, but just think of the rewards. Marie Curie was the, the first woman to win the Nobel Prize, the first person to win it twice and the only person to win it in two different fields of science. And Thomas Edison, well, light is is uh, everything and, and much more in our modern homes and all the everything that's, that's stemmed from the discoveries he made. Well, John, thanks for um, for sharing that story again with us. Um, another great shorter episode, um, a fascinating listen, and, and we'll be doing more in the future for sure. Any, anything you'd like to say in closing? Yeah, I'd just like to say that that story actually is from Chapter 26 of The Habit Mechanic. And in Chapter 26, we really unpack what we call the, the 10 intelligence factors and how to learn really efficiently and effectively so that the efforts you put into improving yourself, whether it's learning how to manage stress better or learning how to be a great accountant, whatever you want to do, there's, there is a science behind learning we introduce some of those core insights in chapter five of the book, but we really unpack them in a practical way in chapter 26. So if you haven't read chapter 26 already, I'd really recommend having a look. Remember, and, and in fact, the, the end of chapter 26, there's um, a tool you can use to analyze how you currently uh, learn. It's called the Learning Strengths Plan, um, and it will help you to build better habits. And remember, you're only ever one habit away.